Welcome to Act 2 of The Baby Monitor, a podcast of family horrors. Act 1 was called Nightmares. Act 2 is called Ghosts. Over the next few episodes, we'll see the edges around Richard and Lissa's relationship fray. We'll meet the doctors, treating Asher's night terrors. And we'll see some very creepy things start happening at the Platt House. Are you ready? Here we go. Act 2, Episode 6. Richard drives the Volkswagen home. 40 minutes in no traffic, 50 minutes during rush hour, 60 if there's an accident, 70 if there's a snowstorm. The drive to work doesn't bother him. He tries to sink into his seat, drink coffee from a travel mug, catch up on sports talk, listen to podcasts, recapping his alma mater's games. The commute home, for a time, was intolerable. He wanted to snap his fingers, be in his new house with his new wife and their then-new baby boy. Lately, though, he finds himself minding it less and less. Tonight, his stomach is growling. He had to skip lunch entirely due to conference calls that seemed to stack without his permission. He grabbed a handful of trail mix from the break room around three. He drank coffee at first to kill his headache and then to kill his appetite. He cannot recall what, if anything, he had for breakfast. It is long past sunset when Richard pulls into the cul-de-sac. Their more ambitious neighbors have already hung Christmas lights, and the bright whites and cool blues bracket his still dark home. He parks his car in the garage. He sits in the driver's seat, listening as the door rolls shut behind him. He stays so long the garage door light flicks off, and he finds himself in blackness. He wants to find it comforting to close his eyes, to steal a nap in a place where there are no conference calls and no laptops and no baby monitor. But that's not what happens. The night makes his pulse race. His brain is still numb, but his heart grows thin as his hand scrambles for the door handle, and when he pulls it, the dome light pops on, and Richard is sure he sees a form fading into the walls, a presence that had been there sharing the cave dark with him, something the light scared away just in time. Richard grabs his shoulder bag off the passenger seat and makes a run for the door to the house. On the way, he looks back and sees a scuffing, a slight denting on the edge of the Volkswagen's fender. The light to the mudroom is off, but just past that is the kitchen, and Lissa is standing there in front of the refrigerator holding a jug, squeezing it until her knuckles are as white as the milk itself. Her body seems to be vibrating like she's on the verge of a seizure. She's crying without tears, just a hiccup of cheeks and shoulders. Sweetheart, Richard says, I got new milk. Sweetheart, you're holding the milk. This milk is bad. Smell it. She holds the milk up and Richard shakes his head. No. She begins to dump the jug into the sink and the liquid rolls out thick like syrup. Richard kicks off his shoes and takes a step into the kitchen. Asher is in his high chair and there are rice puffs scattered in front of him. The child smushes them in his fists and they crumble before they reach his mouth. Lissa watches the milk chug into the sink like that jug is her heart she's opened up. This is old milk, she says. I bought new milk at the store two nights ago. I bought new milk because I knew this milk was bad. Did you leave it in the cart? Richard's trying to be helpful, but Lissa drops the jug into the sink and the little left comes splashing out onto the marble counter, onto the hardwood floor. I didn't leave it in the fucking cart, Richard, she shouts. I'm not a fucking idiot. Richard sends a look at Asher tilts his head. Lissa? He says. Lissa picks up the milk jug. She pumps like she's going to throw it at him. She spikes it back into the sink. I know I bought new milk. 
what am I going to feed him? Lisa goes to bed alone this night. Richard sits in their kitchen and drinks. Dry martinis are the fashion, but he mixes his according to the recipe, according to the way his father had done it. He takes a sip and feels heat in the corner of his mouth, a cold sore beginning to surface. He runs a finger over his lips, finds that tiny bump. Richard sets his drink down and listens to his house and gets nothing in return. He pushes up from his stool, he walks out to the garage, he opens the door, he lets it fall shut without turning on the light. With that slam, he is encased in the black. He closes his eyes, and it changes nothing. He listens, for whatever it was that was in here with him not so long ago, the silence is worse than a sound. He turns on the light. The air in the garage is musty and cool, but the house is new enough that there are no decaying cardboard boxes or oil spots staining the concrete. Not yet. Someday. For now, everything is new and close, and Richard remembers exactly where the box is. He has to climb on the hood of the Camry to reach it, and as he picks it off the shelf, he imagines slipping, his elbow crashing through the windshield, the box dropping to dent the car. Lissa would kill him, if the fall didn't. The box isn't heavy, but the lights inside are tangled, and it takes him several minutes to string them out on the concrete floor. When he plugs them into the wall outlet, they light up, all of them, not just in cool winter whites and blues, but in red and green. Holiday colors. Traditional colors. The colors he remembers from his childhood. They are warm and wonderful. He pulls a hammer and some hooks from a toolkit and heads back up the two wooden steps to the door. But it is locked. Richard stands. He puzzles. He cannot remember why he locked the door. He'll have to go around front, ring the bell, wake up his wife. But there's no hurry. If she is sleeping, let her sleep. Without really looking, he reaches for the button on the wall that opens the garage door. Outside, it feels like fall might be ready to let winter win. Richard walks around the house to the front porch and works quickly. He rings the banister with lights. He wraps spare strands around a lone tree in the front yard. When he's done, he's happy. His house isn't the brightest on the block, but it feels right, warm, like a place a family lives. Just as important, it's done, and Richard doesn't have to be the last dad to hang his lights. Now he turns around and sees that his front door is open. Not wide, the thin crack of light not even visible from the street. He pushes it an inch further and whispers, Lissa, but there's no answer. Richard creeps into his home and says again, Lissa, and he keeps saying it as he walks through the family room, up the stairs, into the bedroom of his sleeping wife. The light from the hallway casts his shadow across the bed and her body inside it, and only then does he realize how tightly he is gripping the hammer. Richard turns. He goes back to the kitchen into the garage and hangs up his tools and closes and locks the house doors, and he checks the windows and turns off all the lights except one. Richard kicks off his shoes and makes another martini the way his dad did and sits on the stool and drinks and waits for the scream. Thanks for listening to Act 2, Episode 6 of The Baby Monitor, a podcast of family horrors. <laughs>